0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, family. Yesterday, we celebrated something really big in our diocese. We celebrated a new priest, the gift of ordination, the gift of priesthood. We do this uh, when we have a, uh, a man to be ordained. We do this on the feast of Saint Thomas, which is uh, today in our diocese because um, we are the we are the diocese of Saint Thomas the Apostle. So yesterday we celebrated a new priest, and for me, I uh, celebrated six years of priesthood. Yesterday was my ordin- um, my anniversary. So, thank you. Thank you. And so I've just been thinking a lot about the gift of priesthood, and I've been thinking about how our community has grown so much in understanding who the priest is. I mean, the love and the support that we get from you guys is truly, truly life-giving. I mean that. I'm, this, is, this is not an exaggeration to make you feel good. I mean, this is real. Your love, your support, your, um, your constant prayers, your encouragement... Is what gets us on our feet every single day. But I've been thinking a lot about how maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, how how the average Catholic, especially the Chaldean Catholic, looked at a priest. The priest was very far removed from the people. He was almost like too high. You know, we I, I don't know if you guys grew up like this, but when I saw a priest, I shook. You know, when I, when I saw a priest, I put my head down, I ran up, put it, kissed his hand, and then would run away because I was so afraid, right? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. And how, how things have changed so much and how much you guys have really come to understand and we as a community have come to really understand the priest. But I, I've, I, as I've been thinking about this, I've also been realizing that there are still a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings. Of how a man comes to become a priest, and what is the priest, and, and what is really going on in his life? What does his priesthood look like? What does he go through on a daily basis? Yeah, anybody remember like MTV Cribs? I mean, some of you guys are too young, but MTV Cribs was like, the, you know, a star would let you into their house and they would show you their life, right? So I'm like, you know what? Let me do like a, a Chaldean Catholic priesthood cribs for you, okay? So that you guys understand and you get a better understanding of who we are and what we go through on a daily basis. Now a disclaimer, I, I don't want you to look at this and, um, and, and, and think that like I'm seeking or we are seeking your sympathy or for you to feel bad for us. Absolutely not. Um, the purpose of this is, again, to help you understand us. So, Another thing is we also I also don't want this to discourage you from ever coming to us thinking like oh my gosh Their life is so crazy. We can't get to them. It's too much. So we'll just not go to them I don't want either of these extremes Um, I just want to help you guys understand us because guess what you call me father, right? Well as your father, I want you to know who we are. We know a lot about y'all. Let's be real okay, but We want you to know about us too I um, Felt the call very deeply as a young child. I was five six years old and I was playing mass Later on I lost that feeling that call and in 2007 I went to confession for the very first time with a priest for the very first time in a very long time probably Like it had been ten years since I'd been to confession and when I went to confession with that priest it changed my life I was in the confessional for two hours You're like, dang, what what were you up to, right? But that confession was so life-changing. The priest, after saying the most shameful things that I never thought I could even say the words to somebody, after saying all of that, he looked at me, he smiled, and he said, have you ever thought about being a priest? And I was like, what? The love that I felt, not being judged, not being condemned, Feeling free, after, after feeling so many years of a burden of my sins, feeling free was the most incredible experience I had ever had. And it never left me. I became addicted to going to confession and going to Mass. The experience that I had in encountering Jesus was so amazing, I wanted the whole entire world to know it. And so as I began to pray and as I, as I began to, to think and go to adoration, I began to spend more time in the chapel than I did with the girl that I was dating at the time and 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 even with my family. I just wanted Jesus, and I wanted more of him. I was addicted. And you know what? I'm happy to say that I am an addicted... Um, I, I have an addiction to Jesus. I'm still addicted, and it doesn't end. He's the real drug. He really is. He's the true drug. Fulfillment of every single human desire. And so, after, you know, going through a lot, finally going through seminary, eight years, by the way, eight years in the seminary I spent waking up at 6 o'clock every single day, having sometimes seven courses in a day, six to seven courses in a day. On top of that, doing meetings with priests, meetings with our brothers, um, holy hours, prayers, all of that, we'd be exhausted. Finally got through that, never thought I'd ever get through it. Here I am, a priest. And I've realized that that the people of God, you, you love your priests, and, and it means so much, but at the same time, there's still so much for you to know about us. That I think that sometimes we forget that the priest has been given the gift of holy orders, that the priest. It's not about the priest. It's not about him. It's about what Jesus has done in him. That today in the gospel, we hear about Jesus breathing on his apostles. And he says to them what? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, the the sins that you forgive, they are forgiven. And the sins that you choose not to forgive, what? What does he say? They're not forgiven. So what is Jesus doing to to the apostles here? What is he giving them? Power, authority, the authority to say to somebody, your sins are forgiven you, which is contrary to what a lot of people in our community, maybe not so much this crowd, but I preach this because I hope that this, this um, homily gets out to the community. I hope you share this. I preach this because Jesus says right here, contrary to what many people might say, oh fa- oh, please, I don't need a priest to go to confession. I, I can just confess my sins to Jesus. I don't need a priest. The priest is not important. He's there, he's cool, he's nice, but I don't need him. But Jesus, right here, makes it very clear. He gives the the apostles the authority to forgive sins on earth. These are men, these are humans, who are broken, who are not perfect human beings, but Jesus called them anyway. And in their sinfulness, God raised up great saints. And so, Jesus does actually want us to go to confession with a priest. Let's put it this way. How would the apostles know whether or not to forgive somebody for their sins or not unless somebody confessed to them? Correct? So that means that from the very beginning of the church, and if you look at the the, the early history of the church, you'll see that people were going to confession with the priest within the first hundred years of Christianity. This is not an invention of the Catholic Church. This is from the very beginning how Jesus has established the church to be. And again, it's not about the priest. When you go to confession with me, I'm not sitting there trying to memorize who you are and what you've done. I don't care. You want to know why? Because I myself go to confession. I went to confession this week. Because I, too, believe it or not, I don't have wings, I don't fly, I'm a human. And guess what? I have temptations, and I make mistakes, and I'm broken, just like you. I have wounds from my past, just like you. I have struggles daily, just like you. But Jesus continues to work. Jesus continues to use me. And there is nothing, my brothers and sisters, more beautiful for me Because God has called me to this, there's nothing more beautiful to me than to see somebody freed from their sins, or to say to somebody the body of Christ and to give them the body of Jesus. For me, that is the most fulfilling thing that I could possibly do in my life. It never gets old. It never gets old. So you might be thinking, Father, are you lonely? Father, are you you depressed because you don't have a wife? A lot of people think this, and this is another misconception that a lot of people say in our community is, oh, please, I think priests should be married. I don't agree with the church. I don't believe in the, the, the should not be married. And you know, you know why all, there were all of those priests with all those scandals, right, with all the children? It's because they're not married. Excuse me. Um, so does that mean, according to your logic, if a person is not married, that means that they that they have a disorder to children, does that make sense? So anybody single in here, that means that I can accuse you just because you're single and you're not married, that I can accuse you of of pedophilia. Does that make sense? It's so unfair that people literally still look at us this way. And so what I would say to somebody is, first of all, Jesus said in the Gospel in Matthew 19 that there will be some who will choose to reject marriage for the sake of the kingdom of God. Jesus says it. And then St. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about how the unmarried man, the man who is not married, is worried about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord first in his life. But the married man is concerned about how to please his wife and his children And then the Lord it's very clear now it doesn't mean that there aren't married priests there are married priests and that's not a bad thing but st. Paul also says right there in that same scripture he says but how I would wish that more of you were like me unmarried he says it's better that a minister is unmarried let me put it to you this way if I was a married man and I had a wife and children and my wife was in the middle of giving labor to my child. And then all of a sudden somebody calls and says, my, my, my mother is in the hospital and she's about to die. Father, come. I need you to anoint her. What do you think I should do? Leave my wife and my child? Or go to the people that are calling me father? Which one should I do? Exactly. You don't even know. I cannot imagine having a wife and children on top of the, the, the thousands of people that we are trying to reach every single day. Thousands of people. Like, I don't think you guys understand. One time, it's hilarious to me, um, one time there is a, uh, the funeral home called me and they said, Father, we need you, a family is resco- requesting you to do a funeral. And, um, and I said, I'm so sorry. I have something else. I can't make it to that funeral. And the family, the funeral director came back and told me that the family literally said, Why? What is, father, what is father doing all day? He's sitting and praying. I'm like, I wish. I wish I could be sitting praying all day long. People have no idea that in one day, my brothers and sisters, in one day, I could... I could go and I could bury a young person, watch the family mourn over their child, then later on in the afternoon, I'll go and I'll do a baptism. And I'll smile and I'll be happy, truly happy. And then after that, I'll have to go and visit somebody who's sick. And then after that, I have to come back and I have to do a wedding. And then after the wedding, guess what? We do a mass and we preach. And then after that, we go to a, a, a person's home for dinner, and we sit and we talk with them, and we teach them, and we laugh with them. Can you imagine, I just want you to put yourself in our place for one minute, the, the emotional roller coaster that it is, that we go through on a daily basis. And then on top of it, we have people who are texting us and calling us, Father, I need you, Father, come over, Father, I need to talk to you, Father, I need to... And in some some weeks, we could have up to 100 text messages in a day, in one day. That's very, it's happened before. And then on top of it, we have to also think about the people who are serving in the church. We have to meet the needs of the people in the church and the people who are serving the church. We also have to take care of the physical church, right? We have to make sure that the the physical church is is healthy. We have to make sure that the, the finances are good and healthy in the church. There are so many different aspects to our priesthood that the normal person just doesn't get. And that's by no fault of of your own. But I stand here telling you that my brothers and sisters, with all of this, I would never choose anything else. Six years later, and I pray, and I pray, and with your prayers, that in 60 years, I could be saying the same thing. But I will tell you this, People don't understand that from the moment of a man's ordination, this is very crazy, that the devil himself assigns a demon to that priest, assigns a demon to that priest, so that for the rest of his priesthood, that demon is going to work day and night to destroy that priest's priesthood. He literally has a bullseye right on his head from the moment he's ordained. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think? Huh? Without the priest, what do we lose? Without the priest, what do we lose? Exactly. Confession. We lose the Eucharist. We lose, we lose Jesus. See, without the priest, we don't have the sacraments. Without the priest, we don't have the Eucharist. And without the Eucharist, we don't have Jesus. And so my brothers and sisters, I I will be honest with you. We are weak and we are broken and we give you guys many, many, many reasons to criticize us. I agree with you. There's lots to say about us. There is. Because we're not perfect and we make mistakes. But I beg of you, I beg of you, that the next time you hear somebody gossiping or talking about a priest, or you yourself find yourself gossiping or talking about a priest or criticizing a priest that I ask you to pray for him. It's fine. Call his, call his, his, his imperfections out. That's fine. It's really not. I'm being serious. It's really not cute, okay? Um, because guess what, guys? You know, I think about it this way. When you criticize us and you talk about us, I'm like, dang, I know all y'all secrets and I don't get to say nothing. Because I got a whole lot to say about all y'all, but I never would. Because I love you. And I love you the way that you are. Imperfect. And I hope that you would learn to love us imperfect. Not because we're cool and we're amazing and we're this and we're that. Love us even in our weaknesses. And that's what I ask you. Love us and be patient with us when we are imperfect and when we're not acting the way that you want us to act. Or the way that even God wants us to act. That happens. We have our moments where we cry. We have our moments when we're angry. We have our moments when we're impatient and we can't hear people anymore. We have our moments when we need to just lock our door and not answer anybody anymore. We have our moments where we need people and we need you to just hug us and tell us, thank you, Father, and the way that you love us is so beautiful and, again, so necessary. We have our moments, my brothers and sisters. And so, It is not easy to be a priest, but when God calls you to be a priest, he gives you everything that you need, just like like being a parent, just like being married. And so today I stand here telling you that I am so fulfilled as a priest. Yes, I have my moments. Yes, it's not easy, but I would choose nothing else because Jesus is worth it. And Jesus satisfies the living, the the heart. He satisfies those parts of my heart that are in need. He satisfies it. So don't feel bad for us. Don't pity us. We're happy. We're joyful. We love Jesus. And all we want is for you to love Jesus. That's all we want. That's why we're standing here. That's why I'm standing here today. And so I ask you to remember your priests today in your prayers. Because the last thing that we want is for us to be the reason why the devil, who has been assigned a demon to that priest, that we would be playing a role in the downfall of that priest. That's the last thing that we would want, correct? And so pray for your priest. Pick a priest this week. And maybe pick a priest every single day this week. Think about that priest and pray for him. You don't know what he's going through. You don't know how he's struggling. You don't know what the devil is doing in his mind, just like we all go through. And he, he needs your love. He needs your support. He needs your reminder. So from the bottom of my heart, I love you, and I thank you so much for loving me too. And I pray that with your prayers and with your love, I will continue to, to, to love, to support, and to serve with all my heart anybody who I can come in contact with to really, truly be Jesus to their face and to lead them to heaven. Amen. Um, one other thing I do uh, want to clarify, or I do want to add to my homily, because I had a lot to say, and um, I, you know, I just, I have, I have a lot to say. I can't help it. Like, this is the second homily. I can't help it, okay? Something, you know, I talked about, um, about how, you know, people are very critical of priests, and so just uh, something that I, that I've been thinking about a lot is, like, there is a lot of, of, of scrutiny in the priesthood. Like people scrutinize us. For example, like just for example, if I if I go to a wedding and I clap my hands or if I dance, it's like, oh, look at what Father is doing, my abal. Like it's so ab. The priest is dancing. First of all, what's wrong with dancing? Like what's wrong with the bagia? Tell me which part of the bagia is a sin? You tell me. Because I will dance circles around y'all, okay? And I don't got a problem doing it. I will dance circles around y'all, okay? I will outdance dance you, okay? I promise you that, okay? First of all, David danced, right? I mean, like Jesus went to the wedding. What did he do, sit like a boomer like this? I'm sorry, Jesus is not a Chaldean boomer sitting around gossiping and, and looking at everybody and judging everybody. He was up on the dance floor. He was dancing. He was rejoicing, Right? If I'm in a car with my sister, oh, Father has a girlfriend. If I preach the gospel and I preach a hard message that's from Jesus, not my message, Jesus, oh, Father is so mean, oh, look what Father talks, oh, Father preaches too long. Okay, we do, we don't, we can never win. So this is why I say, guys, try to be gentle with us. As as much as we can be gentle with you, try to be gentle back with us. That way we can grow together, we can feel that love, and we can continue to serve for many, many more years. So I had to get that out there. Those were my basamir and I had to get them out there. So love you guys. Have a great Sunday.